This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 293, Seven Player Games. <laughs> Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. How was your hootin' nanny? How'd your hootin' nanny oh. go? Oh, hootin' nanny, hootin' nanny went good. Uh, there was a hoedown. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of knee slapping, a lot of toe toe jamming. Mm, All right, mm-hmm. a lot of toe jam. Uh, a lot of a lot of hootin' and hollering. A lot of hootin' and hollering. There was a lot of there was a lot of there was there was one there was one uh, there was one game that break broke down into everybody pulling out their guns. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. were, uh, you know, it, there was a standoff. You I know? tell you, I ain't never seen no one better on the spoons than that Cody TCT. He could just, yeah, that boy was a spoon player, if ever there that was one. That boy's a spoon player. <laughs> Dang, y'all, it was a good hootin' nanny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a wonderful time. We had time. a cookout. We had a, we had cookout. a cookout. We had a shrimp broil. <laughs> we had a shrimp a crawdad broil. We had a crawdad broil. We had a... Corn on the cob. We had some corn on the cob. I great. can't wait for the next for for SCPT Hootenanny South to be in New Orleans. That's gonna be yeah. the next destination. I yeah, have no proof of anybody there. Yeah. I don't know that any of our audience is in Louisiana, but we're gonna give it a try. Yeah. Um yeah, I think New Orleans uh, should be the next uh <laughs> Twilight Imperium destination getaway, you know? Playing playing TI on the on, in the French Quarter, you know, <laughs> just set up. We, can we set TI up on a bunch of barrels? Yeah, on a bunch of bourbon barrels. There's a bunch all right? of barrels. Yeah, I think we should. I, I I want I want steampunk Twilight Imperium with rednecks. All right, <laughs> that's what I want. Steampunk TI, everything steampunk, and somehow everybody's in in space. Mm-hmm. You know. And just hick it out a little bit. And they you got know? they got great hats, that's for sure. Everybody's gonna have a better hat. Yeah. It, hey. we, but uh real talk though, Hoot Nanny was fun. Thank you so much to everybody that yeah. came out uh to Portland. A lot of you traveled. Some of you traveled far. way too far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you are in trouble with me right now for how much you traveled. Um but no, it means a lot to uh to do a show. That can get people to uh, to gather together in such a special and unique way. Yeah, got to hang out with Brassbird a lot. <laughs> that might be the most hangoutable person I've ever met. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about Brassbird real quick. This is really funny. Um, at one point, we wanted to play some Spirit Island, and we didn't know how we were going to play it. And uh, it was like me and EJ and Paul and and Brassbird. But Brassbird had had stepped away. Brassbird was out for a minute. Who kn- I don't know what Brassbird was doing, but Brassbird was out for a minute. Who knows? Uh, hey, it's legal there. Okay, it's fine. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then and then these two people come in with Spirit Island, and they're like, "We're looking for somebody to play Spirit Island with." And we're like, "Yeah, that's us. Let's do it." We start setting up, and we realize as we're setting up that we now have too many players. Uh huh. And that brass bird won't be able to play. And I was like, ah, dang. Well, we should we should probably tell them to to put it away. And uh, and EJ's like, nah, it's gonna be fine. 
And I'm like, what, I, what do you mean? And, I know, and but... DJ was like, Brass Bird's going to be totally cool about it, and it's going to be fine. There's no way Brass Bird is it. And I was like, what? And then Brass Bird gets back, and we're like, hey, sorry, Brass Bird, you can't, you can't play. And Brass Bird, his response to that was like, oh, dude, awesome. That's great. That's chill. That's chill. That's chill. Oh, that's, so that's good. awesome, and that's chill. He was like stoked about it. He was like, oh, dude, I don't get to play? Awesome. We went and had brunch at where Brass Bird works, and we just really pissed off his co-worker because it was too many people for that time of day to show up it was not preferable yeah. for uh, that many nerds to show up at this dive cafe <laughs> yeah i know the spot um and yeah yeah i i i should i should have warned y'all that it, it what y'all were doing didn't make no sense so the hootenanny's um, a good time everyone next time you see a hootenanny trust that it's gonna be a hoot and a holler and a half uh yeah. so yeah we'll let and you bring know. your hat Bring your hat. We want everyone to come out. We don't know when the next one will be, but we will do it again. Uh, the next real live thing, I think, is Gen Con, though. That's the next actually yep. slated thing we'll be at with other people. Yes. So if you're not going to Gen Con, consider it. It's a good old time. It's a fun It's a fun hang. Um, I've had people ask about like tournaments and stuff. We don't really have any information. We, uh, we wanted to be a part of a Twilight Imperium tournament in Gen Con, but that has not come to fruition yet, and now it feels a little bit too late. So, honestly, not a lot of news on our end of specifically what kind of TI goings-ons will happen uh, at Gen Con. Might be kind of a fun year to just do pickup games, have a day where we just hang out and and do that at Gen Con. I don't know. So, I don't know. Um, no, no. <laughs> I won't be playing any TI at Gen Con. But we, we Con. get quite busy. I'm saying, saying community-wide, people can show up and oh, it yeah. doesn't have to be a tournament thing. We can just hang out and let people get games together. Yeah, y'all y'all can play Twilight Imperium all you want, um, but I won't be. I'll be I, I'll be doing other stuff and also just trying to relax sure. whenever I'm not doing stuff. <laughs> uh, hey, Hunter, I'd love to talk to you about seven player games uh yeah. what do you say seven player games that is today's subject matter um and it's ooh, what a it's a big one it's bigger <laughs> than six it's bigger than six less i have than eight hey listen on that note on that note i have some important pre-errata let me just start with some pre-errata from duke lucum and i think this is an important place to start at duke lucum ooh, says I, kinda, I, I stepped you on stepped Duke's on it it's joke. okay i'm sorry seven is I, but uh, it's to back up it's to back you up seven is bigger uh than six certainly but one thing that you can def definitively say is that seven is bigger than five by more than it is bigger than six i find this to be true with Twilight Imperium, where four is quite small and five is bigger than four is. Seven is definitely bigger than six and therefore also five and also four. I don't feel so bad about stepping on the joke now, actually, now that I've taken in all of Duke Lucum's joke. Um, one bit of uh, maybe a little bit of comedy advice I could give to Duke is you don't have to torture us with the idea. You know what I mean? You can let us have the funny idea and you don't really got to poke at it yeah. with with a fork. You I know? think Duke would probably disagree and I think torture was in part the point. So it is the, the, the British style. The difference between American and British humor is this. Americans will have an idea and British people will have an experience. Yeah, have an ecosystem. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, seven-player games. Uh, we played... So we did a seven-player game as our last uh, Space Cats, Peace Turtles holiday spectacular. Uh, that true. was a seven-player game. So Hunter and I have played a seven-player game together. Uh, that was my 
first seven player game in TI fourth edition. We played a seven player game way back when in third edition as well. That was at one point a kind of famous game for us where uh, Sean made our lives a nightmare and the whole game turned into some sort of like awful coalition building. But also that was before we were smart or good at the game. So uh, not a lot to take away from that. But I played another game as well, uh, seven player, on the now infamous map known as Magi's Madness, which is a map available in Codex 2. There will be a whole segment of this episode later on today that is just about Magi's Madness. It is that important to separate from the conversation. So if everyone here is thinking about Magi's Madness, which I think some of you are, I know Big Al is, uh, just trust we will talk about that later. Uh, it's like a whole, it's a whole thing, okay? And it's just a map. That's it. There's nothing else to it besides it being a map, but it is a whole thing. So Literally just a map. Yeah. Uh, but today we're going to talk about seven-player games. Uh, I, I think we're going to just sort of ruminate on kind of the pros and cons. We've done this in the past, right? We've done an episode about three, four, and five-player games before POK was released. Essentially, we owe a seven and an eight. Um, my biggest takeaway that I just want to get out of the way, I came away, I like seven. I think seven's fine. I think seven's kind of great. Uh, it's maybe my new second favorite player count like six is always gonna forever be the one that's like it just feel everything feels right but uh my i had been waxing and waning on what kind of the next in line was and now it's just firmly seven i i think seven is a perfectly adequate way to play especially compared to your fives your fours your threes we haven't done we haven't done an eight in a long time but i don't think i like eight much at all <laughs> yeah yeah, well, I mean, yeah, seven's great. Makes the game longer, which is awesome because I feel like you know can't get can't can't really play enough TI in my opinion. Yeah, so I have way to kind of stretch it out a bit. Yeah, I have hilarious pre-errata on that note from Big Al as well, which is you know seven player is probably a, a, a longer game just by the sheer player count. Although there's some economic things that do get sped up. I would say uh, people score a little bit easier, which speeds a couple things up. But but sure. in general, it's of course longer. More people. Uh, but Big Al says a longer game makes lower pick order not as bad. Talking about we'll talk about this in more in depth later. But just the idea that you know there's seven cards going to be taken. That last pick is usually definitely not what anybody necessarily wanted. Uh, but a lower pick order is not as bad. So 12 victory points as a longer game is solid in seven player and gives everyone a shot. It makes for interesting wind slaying when the leader is often left without a support. So I'm going to trust Big Al's judgment here. I have no intent to ever play a seven player 12 victory point game. I'll say that much. Uh, I do not need it to be that much longer of an experience necessarily. But I think I might understand uh, the argument that listen if you're going big you might as well go all the way right why does lower pick order why is lower pick order not as bad in a it seven player game feels no no no. A, a longer game makes lower pick lower pick order is bad in a seven player game but a longer game a stretched out 12 or 14 point game makes things like lower pick order less impactful because there's more sort of on ramp to get to your end game goals as it were Okay, I'm not sure I understand that to be honest. Why? Yeah. When there's still a final round, right? So the sure. lowest pick order, or when you say lower pick order, do you mean like the the initiative order, like one, two, three? 
Or, uh, no, or a, a, a speaker order. Who's picking yeah. last? Yeah, yeah. And the idea that there's going to be more rounds of the game. It's not saying in a final round scenario. Obviously, like initiative order matters in the final round for scoring. But like, there's more. There's less of a rush to score every point all the time and there's a bit more time to set up stuff you know things like arborec is better because there's more time to get yourself online and whatnot well yeah that that makes sense but lower like pick order seems to me to be just as i mean almost even worse right because now we've got somebody that is seventh pick that got right that you know what i mean like like being being sixth pick pick is bad but at least you get to choose between three strategy cards Seventh pick is you choose between two strategy cards on the final round. That sounds infuriating. Yeah. And that there's always going to be a person at that right. spot, you know, in a yeah. seven-player game. I mean, I, I don't know. I have not played it, so I don't know how it feels. I, I think Big Al's argument is just that the difficulty, how much that hurts, how much that last pick in a seven-player context is uh, lessened in a 12-point game as opposed to a 10-point game, basically. Yeah, I just, like, I think on the show, a lot of times the way it works is me and you make statements, and then people kind of, in a snooty <laughs> way, are sort of like, you're trying oh, to that get... sounds wrong. Yeah. Uh, and Big Al, like, yo, you don't even make sense right now. <laughs> How about that? How it's about time for Hunter to it, get his. All right? <laughs> why, why does it always have to be, I make the statement, and then, oh, I'm the big dumb idiot. But, like, Big Al... Yo, you don't even make sense here, bro. Bro, what are you even talking about? Lower pick order? Not as bad? What? What do you mean? Nobody wants to pick between two strategy cards on the final round, Big Al. That sounds worse. All right? Yeah. I'm Let's- mad. I'm mad. I'm this pissed. This is the episode of Hunter's Pissed. Let's talk about... Ooh, maybe we should just talk about cons first, then I... I had to organize where we talk about seven player pros, but I feel like we got to feed off this energy. Have, I'm I ready mean, to I'm ready to dig dig it into the dirt. You, we should do talk, you have any cons? Let's talk about. Cons, I do have then. cons. Yeah. I, I do yeah. because well, we should elaborate more on this point then, since we're on it. Because the I mean the the first and foremost one is this strategy card problem, right? There, there only one strategy card being left out is kind of a whole feeling. I think it's got it's. It's it goes both ways for me, but there is certainly like the thing we don't like about four and eight player games is the knowledge that every single strategy card will get taken every single round. Right. And that actually sort of just throws some of the decision making off. Right. Factions like x get away with highway robbery because they're like, listen, I don't even have to take Diplo. Someone's taking it and I'm going to benefit right. from it. All, right. all, things are great for me. Joel Nahr, I don't have to ever worry about tech. Someone's absolutely getting tech and I will benefit from it. Finally, a Joel Nahr buff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and seven player is not that far off, right? Because the, the one single solitary strategy card left out is hardly going to make anybody's life uh, feel that bad, right? It's going to just be construction in a game without structure objectives or something like that. So um, I I think that there is a downside of it being maybe too many strategy cards. I flip it the other direction, too, of it's so many strategy cards that sometimes it feels too costly to do all the things you might want to do. And uh, you can feel a bit starved, uh, especially compared to the factions who just make money. Right. Like your Hakans, where it's like they can just afford to do everything. So it feels like it it, uh, stretches the distance between some of the factions even more, right? Because the ones who already struggled to afford now afford 
even less because there's these you know there's factions out there that are just like i do tech i do diplo i do warfare i do it all baby because i just yeah. have the money and the token economy to do it and the ones right. that are poor basically get poorer yeah so it sounds like it's stretching out any economic advantage is being stretched out like putty or gum yeah. or something <laughs> uh so the, the the rich get richer and the poor get poorer yeah um which is of course that's a great system. I mean, we all love that system. <laughs> it works so well. No uh, issues there. The, I mean, the, I, I like it. <laughs> the other, I, I think, and we sort of related on this is more people does mean more time. But I do want to sort of extrapolate on this of of the point I made before, which is it's I, I wonder how much more time in a 10 point scenario it actually like the game actually takes like we played on magi's madness the other day that game was i don't have the time in front of me it was maybe an eight hour game which is pretty normal for Oof. me not for Oof. hunter but hunter i think you're a game i think the people you've gotten to play tight six hour games with i think you'd still have a six hour game with them we we played with a couple of us that are the longer thinkier sit there and take too long on our turn players right yeah the, the people, the people i avoid <laughs> people i'm not trying to play with yeah but yeah. I, I I think it comes down to the the amount of wealth that is possible out there means like I mean a lot of spendies get way easier I think in a seven player game because it's like hey listen you can always rely on Diplo right like round one Diplo is almost definitely being taken which means right. there's not even a question of things being scorable round one and especially mid game like scorables are easier um, and a lot of control objectives are easier too especially. There's a certain map balance that happens as you change these player accounts, especially if you do it in the balanced way that we sort of are always one to back up, which is the idea like in a five player game, you use hyperlanes to make it to where you squeeze yeah. the tiles yeah. together. So it feels like a six player game. The idea is everyone's got a slice and that's not upset in any way. And you can right. do that with seven players. So the, the POK rulebook comes with a way to play seven player and eight player as if there's the same number of planets or system tiles per player as a six player game. But that aside, there's still just more planets on the map period right like there just happened there 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 are more which means especially for things like more tech skips and more traits there's more of those that just exist uh for you to get access to so if you're playing a heavy blue faction with a lot of movement and the other thing with this map building stuff is with with so many tiles being out in a seven player game it's even more likely that like every single wormhole is on the map right so like the map is bigger, but it's also more connected because your wormholes are probably tying a lot of people together uh, in a meaningful way. So this is kind of this is just kind of advice, though. This isn't even pro or con because what you're describing is a very specific. I mean, like yeah. someone might not build a seven player map that way. So what you're saying is if you do play set play seven player, you should play it with hyperlanes and with lots of wormholes. Is that correct? I mean, I would I would advise at least the hyperlane thing. You, you let the wormholes fall where they may. But uh, I, I think um, that having having the hyperlanes is definitely a, a, a better path to go down, especially if you do the like just the big galaxy seven player. It's more it's even more raw planets like per person which just is a richer game which is always more cold worry right that's the problem with like the four player game on a standard map if you don't like slim it down in any meaningful way everyone's right. so rich that you can't ever actually have any climactic battles because it's just like no everyone has war suns and dreads out the wazoo and nobody can do any meaningful damage to each other or whatever um so i think always stripping down the map is important for that for that end but the point being made is 
objectives just get easier, even though there's just as many people protecting like air territory on the map, you have access to more total culturals to score four of a trait than you would. So in that way, I do find the game goes faster because people find points quite a bit easier than a than a six player game, essentially. Yeah. Do you do you like that though? Like is that is that a pro or is that a con? I think it it's tough because like my most recent game was on Magi's Madness, which is also a very rich map in general. Like just the good tiles are on that map, right? The mm-hmm. the, the very wealthy tiles. So it's hard to separate some of that in like what my my research was in in prepping for this episode. But I I, I do think it's good for stuff to be more scorable if it's still like the reason it's boring in a four-player game where we're playing on a standard map size is the stuff is scorable and it's not in contestable territory. I have four culturals just near me that no one else is closer to, and that's the way the cookie crumbles, and it's just going to be too easy to score. But in a seven-player scenario, what we're talking about is you're on your stuff. It's still your slice, but I can cause conflict to get that. So I think it's a pro. I, I view it as it's still more scorable, but it's more interaction within its scorability, basically. Yeah, so it does sound like that. I mean, yeah, the hyperlane thing is critical because it won't be more. I mean, there right. won't be more interactivity in a standard. It's just a bigger, a bigger map. Right. You know, right. Um, unless I mean, I guess you could fix that with just wormholes. But even still, it seems like there's gonna be somebody that is having an easier time. Right. Um, in a seven-player scenario, because yeah. it's an odd number of players, there's gonna be somebody like left out. Right. Kind of, it, the odds are somebody's not gonna have to do as much as everybody right. else. Right. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, it's certainly tough to like balance. I mean, in the past, like at, at the um, holiday spectacular, we used the qualifier slices and we just used all seven. Right. Yeah. But then, like, what we know about those slices is they're not all perfectly balanced or even. Like, there's sort of a point of like one of them's gonna get left out based on some conditional factors. And so, yeah. you know, being forced to play a slice is, is tricky. So, you know, I, I, I think there's obviously ways to build seven-player maps to just make sure it's all sorted out and good. Um, but you're, you're digging deeper into some of the bad uh, tiles just to get there, right? I, I do think the kind of beauty of POK is we ended up with a really, really good number of system tiles for six-player map building, basically, where it's like, listen, I can leave out some specific stuff that means, means everything is... relatively balanced and i have found that more difficult to do in seven player you lean more into asymmetry in every direction in a seven player game i think yeah yeah i mean that 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 makes sense it's an odd number of players um what do you feel like what do you feel like is 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 there anything gained in like the meta in like the above the table yeah gameplay in a seven player game i i find the discussion around support for the thrones more intriguing. Now, this is in an underdeveloped meta, right? I've I've, I've only played a couple seven-player games. People aren't sort of like doing all the assumptions that you know we've gotten to. Like if you think back in like the first two years of us playing TI, or really even just the first year, like even the way we handled commodities and trade goods was so much wilder because we hadn't just like settled into a the sort of obvious mode of shorthand of X minus one and all that. Matt, I feel like a lot of times when you bring up stuff like this, like I detect a a sense of like, do you dislike that? Like, do you dislike that we've gotten to a point where uh, Um, some of the game, it runs a little 
a little on autopilot. I I don't because it speeds things it speeds things up, but what I dislike is like from a systemic value. I don't like it when like a system just gets solved. You know what I mean? So like fr- from from Twilight Imperium's perspective, like I find it kind of boring that there's just this sort of like known like ah the trade goods happen this way in most rounds and there's only a couple things that sort of upset that balance but generally we just sort of do these favorites it's like everybody can just assume they make this many trade goods per round I-, I find that at least a little bit boring if it's it's balanced it is probably for the better of the game but it, i do think it's less interesting that's a bummer um do you <laughs> is that a bummer like- Oh, I mean, it's just a bummer that, well, no, it's just a bummer anytime it's like, ah, oh, well, the game is like less interesting in this way. Yeah. Because it is like an arbitrary thing. I mean, we could play it, we could play it however. It, X minus right. one is just, it's a cultural thing. Sure. It's just something that well, we yeah, settled and- on. And I'm sorry, I feel like we've let you down in, no. in settling got well, it, you know? And, and, well, there's plenty of people that come into our tournament and are like, I don't do X minus ones, you know what I mean? But it's like, what always happens is that just ends up being kind of, it doesn't always work out so well for that. Like there's sort of a provable best approach, which is the like, I mean, it feels like the boat floating meta tends to rise above the alternatives. Although I don't know, this qualifiers has been kind of crazy. Um, regardless though, on the topic of supports, the reason I kind of enjoy odd numbers of players is it, it at least forces some sort of conversation somewhere as opposed to the six player. We're all going to probably kind of find our swaps. Although, Maybe not every game that happens. It feels like a lot of games. I mean, the the vast majority of games, you know, everybody swaps with somebody and then we're done. There's just three kind of, there's three two-way alliances. Mm-hmm. And in the, the seven-player game, you just don't get to do that. Like, either someone's getting left out or three people have to decide to do kind of one of the round-robin swaps where it's like you leave yourself open to an attack from somebody, right? This happened in our right. in our game where it's, we, we ended up doing the three-way swap, but that meant, okay, we did this three-way swap so this could work, but now I really have to worry about Joel Nar or whoever it was. Like, I, yeah. they are the ones that can climb into my stuff. It's there, There's not there's less safety in the support swap. It rushes some people to just get the support swaps because nobody wants to be the odd man out. No one wants to get left out of it. So I think it shakes up the meta, at least in just like a different way from six-player. But I think if you played seven player like over and over and over again, you would certainly just find a way to handle like there would just become a new shorthand essentially. But it's it's nice that it's spicy for now and new. Yeah. Also, I mean, there is kind of I mean, it's not every time, but there is going to be a lot of games where somebody gets uh, too many bonus points where it's like, oh, well, the solution here is to just leave them out and there is no. There is no three-way swap. It's just like, well, so-and-so is right. doing better than everybody else, so we'll just leave them out. But which, to be honest, it never really sits that well uh, with me, to be honest. I think it's kind of like, it's kind of a lame way to stop someone. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, the rest of us, we all get to do this, but you, you're doing too good, so we'll stop you by yeah. not engaging <laughs> with this very common thing with right. you. It just feels like w- when that player loses for that reason... I don't really think like, oh man, this table really outsmarted yeah. them. You right. know, it's just kind of like, yeah, okay. Um, in general, I think support for the throne maybe is just like kind of uh, not all that interested. Let, yeah. Let's just talk smack on TI. It's a bad <laughs> game. We don't like it. No, X it's minus one sucks. Support for the throne sucks. Game stupid. Well, oh, you should quit playing it. it. It's just what these. It's what different. It's what changing the game uh 
causes you to think about is like, what are these things doing in our normal games, right? Like, I mean, it, it playing these seven player games made me think about support for the throne in my six player games a little bit more and how it's just like, yeah, that's just like a thing that happens, isn't it? Like, I get a little bit more on the camp of like, you know, I, I wouldn't hate a change to to support for the throne that makes it a bit more um, nuanced, less less of a safe component to just like, yeah, we just swap and then that's kind of the end of it. Although it's not, I mean, not everybody agrees with that, right? There's so many times where I've like done a swap with like Carnal and then Carnal activates me next round anyways. And it's like, yeah, 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 I didn't, I don't care about the swap actually. I mean, how often does a support swap not matter in a final round when it's like well listen i just need a stage two and i'm at nine or whatever <laughs> like the the support for the throne has become meaningless yeah it, it 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 becomes pointless also i mean a lot of the times you know one of the reasons that you can't swap with somebody that's doing too good is mm. that right? right so there's a sense of like a lot of times a swap is kind of about getting some sort of idea of safety but if they don't need your point yep. and you are not safe right for that reason you right. know i think that the system of support for the throne is interesting because it like ultimately is about who, who strategically I'm, am I going to choose? Am I going to court to be the one where I think I'm going to get the, the better end of it. Right. Uh, uh, right. That who do I think that the support swap will be a detriment. Yeah. If it happens to, to that person, they will not be able to strike at me. Oftentimes right. I feel like that, I kind of make a little list in my head of the people I would like to support swap with. And then you kind of go for somebody that like, oh, this person will probably stop me in the last round. So let's yeah. try and swap with them or, or, and then from then it can just become like, oh, well, who, who my neighbors with that I'm not scared of, et cetera. Yeah. Essentially that's how I feel about the three-way swap. Basically it's, it's, it's a different specific uh, set of calculus or whatever, but I like the like, the three of us have to figure out which direction do we want these things to face because I right. have to worry about the other direction. And I do find that like a compelling thing to worry about. How am I going to give you my support for the throne, give you per or, or, you know, take take so and so's, give them permission to dig into me and still protect myself against them. I find that fun and dynamic. It was fun in our game to to think about and and have to deal with. Um, and and I, I think it came down to it felt good to have that maybe be a, a an idea that's more common uh, essentially in, in a game. Is I I think the three way swap is pretty fun. Let me ask you this. This is the big test. Uh. When are you going to play seven player again? This <laughs> yeah. is a big question. Like just just to really throw your gauntlet down. Now you're talking a lot sure. of talk here. Uh, how much of this is real? Are you just making stuff up for the episode, or I'm are you actually going to play seven? Because I'm contractually obligated to talk about seven player games. Uh, I, I see. I so do, maybe it's not so real. But I do like it. I mean, they're they're certainly harder to organize. It's harder to get seven people together than it is to get six people together. Right. Um, that's true. But. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's going to be my my common way of playing, but also there's there's some messiness in that because there's like the you know the, there's episodes we have to do for the show where I can't let that be a seven. I played Nomad in my seven player game. I don't know that that gets to contribute like you know full sail to the Nomad episode we're about to do. There there are some takeaways that probably don't cross over into the six player game, especially the non Magi's Madness game. So yeah, it's oh, like sure. we're, yeah. we're we're talking variant world in general. So it's it's hard to make some things uh, move into it. Yeah. So I don't know. I I am now more open to seven player. If if I'm going to do an alternative player count. 
Um, I'm going to more aim for it being seven player games than anything else. Um, actually, this is a great point for some some fun uh, uh, pre-errata from Fallen Waffle. I think this is the logic that should apply to people's home groups. Think of seven players in person as just a way of ensuring you have six players instead of five. This is the logic right. of the seven player game. The seven player game is your safety net because when you lose someone from a six player game, you now have to play a five player game. And I think most people find the five player game not fun at all. Um, I, wow. I, really? I, I kind of like it. You and me, I think we both kind of like it. It's, yeah. it, it's I mean, starved more... for goods, right? It's it's only five strategy cards. It's like rough out there, folks. But I that's kind of the fun of it, right? Yeah, I, I kind of don't like... I mean, if we're going to talk smack on Twilight Imperium, which this seems like this is a week where we're doing it. Uh, <laughs> the, the variance and difficulty between victory point objectives, uh, it's cool that it adds that variety, but sometimes like it can just deliver you like a weird seed yeah. of objectives. Of and I would say oftentimes that has to do with, if it's going to get weird, it's going to be because of economic objectives. Yeah. Because they're a little too easy. Right. Um, so in five player, I don't know what's easy in five player. <laughs> Not to say that it's like super hard, but it's just like, it's just, it's just a little bit difficulty turned up yeah. overall, but with less players, but it probably works out again it probably takes the game probably takes a little bit longer per person in a five player game yes. because you're leaving out so many strategy cards um i will say this though what i don't like about it is i don't like when no one feels a reason to take imperial i think mm -hmm. it hurts the tempo of the game a lot definitely and i i'm, I'm not trying to blame it on i mean because obviously anytime i'm in a game and and somebody, no one takes Imperial. That means I didn't take it. That means also it's my fault, <laughs> <Right>. too. So <laughs> right. that's why I'm framing it that way. I don't like it when no one sees a reason yep. to take Imperial. Now, some 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 of the power players that, that listen to the show are losing their minds at that idea because they're like, there's always a reason. There's always a reason to score points. I'll take I'll, I'll take Mechatol. I'm, I'm, points I or this. death. Points yeah, or points death. death. I, I got, I'm going to go. I got it. Um, but yeah, sometimes people don't see that reason. They don't see those right. points available. Right. Um, and so it is, it is kind of a bummer when uh, Imperial, uh, I mean, of course, after round one, but um, in five player, I feel like you see that a little more, yeah. which isn't so great. But I think I, I don't know. See, this is why I always come back to six. I just feel like it's yeah. got, it, it, the strategy, the reason there are eight strategy cards is because it's designed for six players. I'm convinced of that. Like, <laughs> that's why there's eight of them. Yeah. Uh, it, there aren't eight because they thought, oh, well, there should be one for each player. No, yeah. no, 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 no. They thought, yeah, there, there should, should be, be like out. there should be like two left out yeah. you know right yeah and i think it generally works um but it, it in fallen waffles example i guess that's the question people have to ask themselves is if things go wrong would you rather have planned for seven and end up with a six or would you rather have planned for six and end up with a five hunter i pause this question i don't know how to, to answer you. this question because yeah. i'm a spoiled rotten little baby <laughs> all right i am a rotten little baby, yeah. and I happen to start a show about this game that yeah. you're listening to right now, listener. Yeah. So, if I want six, I'm having six. You right. know what I mean? Like, if there's one privilege I get from doing this show, it's that I can get six people, right. no problemo, to play Twilight Imperium with me. It is, it is, let me tell you something, it's a delightful privilege, yeah. all right? And I do not take it for granted. Yeah. Um, but does that mean, am I going to play seven? No, I'm not playing seven, not playing five. <laughs> I can just play six, you know, and I'm sorry. That's just the reality of my life is that I can play six. Like 
like 70% of our audience ca- cannot relate to that at all, which is... Yeah, I, think I know, a, and I'm one... sorry. And no, hey, guess what? No, we, gotta check out. we don't say sorry for that anymore, remember? Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're right. The apology arc has is long over, long dead. Uh, check out the Space Cats Peace Turtles Discord. Check out the Twilight Imperium Online Discord. Check out Tabletop Playground, the mod that cyber daryl has envisioned for you it is look upon it look upon it and quake at the beauty of it okay or you can just play, i mean you can also just play it on tabletop simulator <laughs> no it's good it's good it's it never fine. crashes it's, it's perfect always and there's just no issues with it that's why i stick with it uh-huh yep and it's, there's, there's lots never of, anything oh there's just no issues you lots, know lots ever, of good ever. interesting new Only development tabletop happening playground there. has the issues that's something i've learned <laughs> hey i want to have uh, this conversation uh let's talk about uh more diplo and or more warfare and or so less talking about oh only one thing is left out per round but i feel like we should extrapolate on this idea of like is everyone richer in in this game because i think my math was thrown off a little bit because we were playing on magi's madness which is a rich uh map in general um but what i felt in my game was you should I should have absolutely been doing Diplo every single round without fail. Like it, it felt like every time I was like, I'm gonna I, I'm a little low on tokens, I'm gonna not do Diplo and do something else instead. And it felt like I was like objectively wrong every single time. And it felt like by the end of the round I could see like, man, if I had done Diplo, I would have been able to afford this, this, and this, as opposed to right now I'm affording nothing. So I'm curious, Hunter, if you're able to like sort of uh wax theoretically with me about the the place of diplo in uh in the game i feel like you play with a group that's already taking diplo way more often in six player games than maybe i even see in my own i feel like you've got Hmm. the people all on board with you that say like yes warfare is out diplo is my new best friend yeah uh i don't know i'm not sure about that um i feel like diplo is not is still lower on the totem pole okay. than a lot of the other uh, strategy cards. Uh, it's going to get taken, though, if somebody, you know, if, if it's an economic game, I feel like it's going to get taken. Um, I don't feel like it's often taken for no reason, I guess right. is what I'm saying. Or or I, I feel like I don't see it taken often just for the money and yeah. for, for, for no other purpose beyond that. But, I mean, yeah, I do feel like if there's no structure objectives and... And it's low in the order. But oftentimes, you know, like, because Imperial jumps into the the game yeah. after round one, it is, I mean, it is pretty common, I feel like, for Diplo to be left out along with something else. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, Warfare. I feel like after after round one, you see a lot of Diplo and Warfare being left out. Yes. Um, right. But yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it just kind of depends on, on the game. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, what is, so your question is, uh, well, that, that, that's a good player. No, that's a good framing for what I want to then talk about because I, I wanted to catch your 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 temperature on just Diplo in the six player game because for me, what I felt like is there's more assurances that Diplo is going to be in every single round. Uh, I think we had it every single round of our seven player game because the stuff that's going to get left out now is like early Imperial and then later like warfare and then maybe tech in the final round kind of situation. I think that's like exactly what happened in our game basically, right? But what I felt was 
there is maybe more of a desire for more command tokens. I want to do more secondaries maybe per round uh, than is uh, standard in six player by, by just a little bit. And it felt like I should be spending like a 3-3 three, three planet on the token and then definitely be using Diplo to get that 3-3 three, three back. Like it felt like I both needed the tokens and the resources of stuff often. So I almost was like, as long as the leadership isn't getting stalled, I should like overspend on tokens and just use Diplo to recoup some of those planets that were like the the heftier spends for tokens. That's how it felt to me was like I regretted every time I didn't do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a pretty I mean, it depends on how your planets are spread out. Right. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, a lot of the POK factions have home systems that feel like they're specifically designed to be spent for both influence and resources. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as long as as long as you're up doing that, you know what I'm saying? Like you right. have to, you have to get, because it's going to cost you a token to follow Diplo anyways. Right. So you got to make sure that you are refreshing two planets that are worth a lot in value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that's your home system planet. And then, you know, Something one good. other juicy one that you have that has both, uh, you know, resources and influence to it. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think in general, if that's, if that is what is happening, uh, then that, that makes sense to me. That's yeah. something you should do. Yeah. And this, I mean, this might be a Magi's Madness thing too, of maybe this is just in, in part of our advice of people playing Magi's Madness. It's like, man, that, that map just, it's just crazy rich, honestly. Uh, and, and, and very conflict prone, which we're, we'll, we'll talk about it a, a bit more here in just a second, but yeah, so so the 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 final takeaway for this then to me is just like I I, I found everybody more rich because it felt like everybody was accomplishing Diplo in a meaningful way, and um I don't know just like across the board it's like people were getting their secrets sorted out people were getting good tech tempo like everybody was doing everything because there weren't meaningful strategy cards being left out and so in that way it's it sped the game up. And I don't know, I found it in a good way. Like there was still something being left out every round, right? There's still one card being left out. And um, I don't know, like what, one round that was Warfare? That's probably not a big deal. But like the round tech was left out, felt like a big deal. The two, like the extra round of Imperial being left out still felt like a big deal to the scope of the game or whatever. Um, but like it felt like in the sort of place setting that factions just need to do in general to sort of get their own engines online everybody felt more comfortable at accomplishing that was my vibe right yeah and i mean that makes sense yeah because there's only one being left out but it would be infuriating if it was like imperial you know yeah uh and i feel like it would be funny if it was i don't know something something essential with there being that many taken but right. i yeah beyond that i mean yeah it, it sounds uh, sounds fun and it sounds more uh, just kind of chiller less to think about less to balance out less yeah. to be like ah, I don't have access to this you kind of have access to the same right the same stuff every yeah. time with, without without necessarily losing like the conflict of the game itself maybe is is at least the hope and we we should talk about that uh, because uh, it's a lot of conflict if you're playing on Magi's Madness which I think we should talk about right after this quick break
Hello, welcome back. Hi, howdy, how are you? It is time to... It's funny that there's a whole feature of this episode that's just talking about one random map that happens to exist out there. But it's because... Well, first off, if you're on the Discord and you ever bring up seven-player games, Big Al has like a Google alert or something set to his phone and he'll just show up in front of your door and try to tell you about Magi's Madness and how wonderful it is. And you know what? Ding dang it, he's right. Uh, so let's first and foremost get some of his thoughts out of the way. Uh, but this is a part of Codex 2 if you want to go back and refer to the map. But the, the core idea here is this is a seven player map with completely non-standard home system placements. They're just sprinkled all over the place. But it's sensibly done. There's like really, really weird hyperlanes that are not like they they make almost no sense in their positioning. This feels like a piece of real territory more than like a galaxy map, right? It feels like there are mountains and rivers that block off sections of places to get to. And the idea to the map is home systems are kind of all over the place, but they all still share the same relationship with their distance to Mechatol which is to say every single home system is has one path to Mechatol that is three system tiles away, which is the standard, and one path to Mechatol that is four system tiles away, essentially. So, like, you're just as close to Mechatol as, over, as, as usual, but Mechatol's, like, way off in the corner or whatever. But more importantly, what this map does is it makes some spots where there's just, like, planets everywhere there is one uh home system in particular that is surrounded by two five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve total planets both the triple planet systems are there right next to it and three rich enough uh big systems it's like a cohen jail here the wriggles like everything is just surrounding this home system which throws an asymmetry wrench into the game so intense you have to deal with it out the gate like you you can't allow someone in that tile to get everything adjacent to their home system or they will steamroll the whole rest of the game they'll they'll be so rich it doesn't even make any sense anymore so the map has like forced relationships between home systems in a way you're only used to in a six player like i have a forced relationship with like the person to my left and the person to my right this is still sort of true but not only is it like a positional relationship it's like a what must be done with that person does that make sense it does make sense yeah um they all of the home system positions have humorous names too um <laughs> like one of them's called well the one that matt was just describing with all the planets is called why can't i hold all <laughs> um one of them is a little more defensive and, and is called mountain fortress yeah uh one of them is called the floor is lava <laughs> i think it's only um, called that because there's a supernova next door I don't, yeah there's just I one don't... supernova next to it right <laughs> i mean well there's some hazardous planets yeah. too that might be it um final frontier is the name of another one it's kind of this like weird thing that you know some people do where they like kind of name <laughs> positions sometimes humorously mm -hmm. uh, it's not something we would ever do no. on this show it's a fun uh, little community thing that it's it's interesting to see the community kind of kind of come up with this on their you know on their own we're a very serious show um we recently released a, a video actually about the prelim slices yeah uh featuring uh extra j ej sanders <laughs> uh the e means it stands for extra mm -hmm. uh and there was a youtube comment that was like <laughs> These used to be competent and funny, <laughs> which is great. 
whoever did that, thank you. Um, because so honestly, much. EJ has gotten away with sort of participating in Space Cast Peace Turtles while receiving very little negative feedback, almost none at all. Um, and I'm just hoping yeah. that if we can get him on board for some of the, you know, terrorizing that that a portion of the audience does like to do yeah. uh, on on myself and and Matthew Martins. Um, so I don't know. Let's just get EJ in there. Yeah. I want EJ in the mix. It's time for negative feedback for EJ. Uh, yeah. Here, I want to I want to give you Big Al's selling points on Magi's Give Madness, and then we can talk a little bit more about it. Big Al says you are the same hexes away from Mechatol in balanced slices. I've pushed back on on Big Al's first point. I do not think these balance th these slices are balanced necessarily. I don't know. It's tough to say. Here's the question, Hunter. What does slice balance mean? What does that mean for for a, a home system position to be balanced? Um, for them to have similar resource and influence values in the slice. Mm. Uh, so close to yeah. it. So that's um, definitely so there's not... no way that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no way that, that it's it, definitely it can't be not true. that. So it's it's something else maybe in Big Al's head. I could see some balance of like your equipment to deal with things is relative to the your means to do those or whatever. I don't know. But uh, uh yeah, the, the, I find these not balanced at all. Although we had a pretty balanced game. I mean, in the final round of our game, everybody had some kind of shot, right? Like your your quintessential, I mean, someone, you know, lost their shot on the first action of the final round. But like going into that round, almost everybody had some kind of chance. Big Al's second point is you feel like you're in your own mini galaxy with your neighbors despite being in a bigger universe still. And I think this is perhaps the top selling point to this map, which is to say it's a completely different vibe from your normal Twilight Imperium game. It's not going to feel like Tournament TI. It's not Tournament TI, right? It's the the whole point is this is basically homebrew without homebrew, right? I mean it it, it it's a little bit of homebrew because we're saying the home systems are like in completely weird places. That that in itself like just straight up and down feels like homebrew, but there's no new components we have to learn and yet the game has been upended in strategically how we must decide to um deal with each other. And that is definitely worth exploring, and playing this map made me want to make more weird maps. It got me excited for the idea of, let's not upset any other mechanical things, let's let the map upset the balance of sort of our assumptions of Twilight Imperium. Yeah, Matt, you, you should consider making a map. That might be something interesting that you it could do. It seems too like hard. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if I like doing that as a skill, you know. It's well, you've never done that, it. Exactly. You've never, ever done it. It scares Not even me. once. It scares yeah. me to do. So you've never done it, and that's the whole thing. Yeah. But maybe you should consider doing it. In someday. reality, it does scare me to try to make a map like this. I'll say that much. Like, to just, like, find oh, a like way a to make map. this, the, to, to make that actually have some semblance of balance to it i don't know maybe there's a certain amount of like no it'll never be balanced and that's not the point the point is you play magi's madness like twice in your life and move on but i sort of kind of buy into magi's argument of like if you're playing seven player it's because you want to play magi's madness i think there's even more argument to that idea if you're going off book here's my pitch to you hunter if you're going off book you're not playing a six player let's straight lace ti you might as well throw the baby out with the bathwater. And, and do right. something odd that that dramatically shakes things up rather than just like, you know, you know, we changed Majin and that's the only thing that's different. It's like, okay, well, why are we actually changing it then? I don't yeah, know. Why would you change Why Majin? would you do that's that? Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Whoever said that, 
idiot. Um, yeah, no, I get your point. Uh, you, if you're going to play seven player, you you may as well uh, make it, you know, a whole hog fun experience right. that feels different from standard Twilight Imperium. Uh, I absolutely agree. I think that for me, whenever a map is really defining the experience, though, I don't know how. I mean, well, first of all, I've experienced that many times. It's yeah, not like I right. haven't. Right. Played Ma- I, I have not played Magi's Madness, but it's not like I haven't had a day uh, playing some weird some weird maps. Right. Um, the way that a map defines the experience is maybe not always my favorite, though. Right. Um, it's cool when the map feels like... Like, I don't know. The thing about a map like this where you have so many planets everywhere yeah. is I think I would start feeling a little more lonely, and I don't know. Is it, Do you feel like you felt lonely on this map? Uh, in my seating position, I definitely did not. I wonder how some of the other seats felt. Th- this map is kind of split in half, actually, is the big idea. Right. There's yeah. a northeastern section where there's like four home system tiles that all have an embedded relationship with each other. You are contractually obligated to deal with each other because you can't basically it's you can't let why can't I hold all get away with this right so the three other slices surrounding that one must encroach on their territory or they will be destroyed like summarily right the yeah the how is that okay I just want to push back on this idea you you only start with three command tokens, Matt. Like sure. Why can't I hold all? Is not going to hold all. No, like there, but by round two, time. by round two, you can have it all, and everybody else can have difficulty having reached all of that stuff next to you. I mean, it's like yeah, but you would have to have abandoned yeah portions of it. What I'm saying is naturally, why can't I hold all? Sounds seems like it's by design. You would not be able to hold yeah. it. I mean, unless everyone just decided to not even touch you, right? You know, it's it's as natural as just like, you know how you left the Vegas? I'm going to have the Vegas now. Yeah. I mean, what right. are you going to do about it? You can't. It's right. literally too many planets. Too many yeah, in, in our game, it became a thing where it was Argent in that one, which meant if they if they had all of that section, Ooh, it was 15 PDS. total things and PDS was going to become a thing. So they if we let them get online, there was an argument that uh, they would hold all, actually. They'd pull it off. Maybe. They'd have, have yeah. the defensive infrastructure to pull that off, especially if you consider they don't need to do anything else. You can comfortably score a lot of stage twos in just that little area. So if you can lock it down, that person may never have to go anywhere else ever in the game, right? So our round two consideration was like, I'm going to come take the Vegas, even though it's going to kind of upset some of my own things. I felt like I needed to do that and I didn't want to do it for free, right? I'm not going to like throw my game away. I need the table to pay me to deal with the Argent problem. And Wait, so, so what position did you play? As, I was Matt? in uh, the slice known as Ambassador, which is the far northeast yeah. corner. Okay. Uh, so I was able to get like Atlas and Tekaran Torkan round one, right? So I had like a token per round and like five bucks worth of resources. I was a nomad. I had an okay, you know, a, a good home system uh, and range, right? I blue blue tech stuff. I'm gonna get the Memoria out there. I had some muscle to try and encroach on Argent early. And Jolnar was in non-Euclidean and was like going to be able to take Crag and Sig, essentially. So there were like two tiles where we could sort of pressure Argent. And it felt like if we didn't do it early enough, the the PDS network would get online and, and it would perhaps be too late uh, from that point forward. So, um, you know, th- those four slices, those three and the final frontier slice, they feel like they're at the very least like just 
gonna be in each other's way even if it's not an obligation like how i put it you're still gonna end up right on top of each other whereas there's like an an obvious dividing line between the other three tiles and the other three tiles feel like they all have more distance between them they don't necessarily they're kind of fighting over some uh like they're fighting over hope's end and stuff but they feel like they're in a whole other world like i, I never felt like i interacted with the floor is lava or pain train basically at all they're on the other side of the map and the wormholes only barely connect us and it just felt like it felt like two worlds apart kind of idea which is f from big al's perspective that that was a benefit of this map your neighbors feel like they are in a different relative mini galaxy but they're in the same universe is how big al put it um which i don't know there's a certain argument that's just how it works in seven player in general right there's so much distance between certain slices that it's like right. you're, you're gonna feel very far away from some people but the way this map specifically lines that out for you, there are just paths that can't be taken, essentially. I mean, there's there's literally a string of four tiles that are all one-way hyperlanes that quite literally cut the map in half. And there's no way to get around it without going through wormholes. Yeah, I kind of feel like Mountain Fortress, which yeah. is a starting position where to your back of your home system is hyperlanes that don't connect yeah your home system they're like cutting through right and then you have like three three uh systems that are actually connected to your home system each with two planets on them and then floor and floor is lava and pain train both have hyperlanes that connect to each other yeah. in a way that makes it feel like they're going to interact a lot right but i don't know i feel like mountain fortress would be kind of a lonely game right like, of, of feeling a little bit like well i've I have six planets. Yeah. And maybe I have prime. I'm more. here. Yeah. 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 And and not just I don't need much else, but no one else has a reason to get over here and I don't have a reason to get elsewhere. Like there's not a pathway to go to other places. It's like right. Mountain Fortress decides to go to Mechatol or they don't, and there's only one way they get there, basically. So yeah, I, I think it is a very isolating experience which is why it's the mountain fortress you're literally it's named <laughs> thusly you're sitting up on your mountain fortress and seeing oh, if anybody dares it. climb the mountain i don't know oh it's mountain fortress like mountain fortress <laughs> oh interesting Dang, this is the type of analysis i tune in for <laughs> uh big house last point was something i sort of already remarked on but it's, it adds a new challenge to your fast thinking without being full homebrew madness and to that i agree but also say this I think something that's happening with all of this is when, when we talk about, especially like when Hunter and I talk about seven player and Hunter, you, you basically called this out earlier. When's the next time I'm going to play seven player for us, especially as a show, these things are always weird variants. We're trying once for like once a year or whatever. Right. And there's that certain novelty factor to them, no matter how you cut it. If we played uh, like a tournament qualifier round on Magi's Madness, we would learn how like busted and stupid it was. You know what I mean? Like we, j just playing a game on it, you come away with some conclusions, but you don't know how the meta shakes out necessarily. But if we played this map over and over and over again, you would start to see some maybe like sort of boring patterns start to, to form and it would have, you know, just as many limits as anything else. So I, I think there's more to the point of People go to these kinds of things because they want that one-off, I want it to shake things up without me getting to think about it for too long idea. Yeah. I, that's kind of wild, though, Matt. That's kind of a wild thing to say. Why? You know, it's like, I feel like you'll be like, 
this this new idea it's so interesting to me but i wouldn't want to experience it more than once because it's probably stupid uh, <laughs> that's what i said that's kind of a wild <laughs> that's a wild take you know i think this map is who knows if, if you had played this map like three times i bet you would have a lot of different thoughts on it than mm. you have currently like if you played it if you'd played it in, like more than once, I feel like you would you would come away with who knows what. Like I'm looking at it right now, and I'm not coming away with any obvious conclusions. Right, it takes to time this, to find those conclusions. Right, it takes time. It takes research to get to the point where you really understand something like this. Because I guarantee you, we're talking about Magi here. Magi thought about this for more than a second. You know. <laughs> I guarantee you. I'm going to laugh um, if we get errata and, and Magi's like, oh, no, actually, I did kind of just throw it together and it seemed to work well enough. I, I wonder. But no, I, I, it looks like something he thought about longer than uh, Somebody's played it more than once. Right. All right. That's right. something well, I'm saying for Big sure. Big Al has played it more than once, it seems. Yeah. Uh, at least unless unless Big Al just get, you know, Big Al's hype knows no bounds, uh, plays a thing once and is going to like proselytize it until... Uh, the lights go out, uh, which I could I could see Big Al being capable of. But yeah, my, my point was not to say like you'll find the stupidity of it, but like that these things are new distinct flavors for the sake of being new distinct flavors. And you go to these things not for the repetition, I would say generally. Like, I, I don't know how many people are going to be like, uh, yeah, I'm going to start uh, the Magi's Madness podcast where the whole show is based around we play Magi's Madness every single week and we talk about the strategy of playing Twilight Imperium on Magi's Madness. I propose this. Okay. I, I, I am intrigued by this map. Um, I'm sorry to say, Matt, I'm intrigued by <laughs> this map. And looking at it during this discussion, I... I think in the future we could do an episode about Ma Magi's Madness, okay. where where we played it yeah. multiple times, where we really thought about it and brought some some deep takes on it. Because yeah. to be honest, I'm into it. Yeah, like I think I think it's really cool and worth fantastic uh, and worth digging into instead take of just like you know whatever whatever we've done here. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, take note of it, everyone. We're gonna get a screenshot in in like a year where someone says we said we would do this episode and then we feel beholden to providing that episode so we'll see well when we get to the next season premiere episode and i bring up the magi's madness episode that we talked about doing yep uh somebody will be eating their shorts okay <laughs> so prepare your shorts to be eaten because guess what i have a magical ability of just typing down a note <laughs> I'll hold you to it. I'm typing down the note too. One of us will win this and we'll not know who it is. Uh, hey, should we? There's a lot of show left actually where, where we have all these other things to talk about. Can I thank some people before we do that? Yeah, yeah oh, do Matt, it. Thank you for permission. Hey, I want to thank our weird bears Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish Emu, Pope Billy the Second, Brassbird, Cabal of Soul, Kalu, and Daryl, Jadim, Jedi, Carnal, Necrodies Twice, Kindred Spirit, Alice, Lord Raddington, Emilchevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky, M44, Rwise, Ryan, and Spirit Thing. <laughs> And I want to thank our Teensy Sprouts. Baldrick Tautology is what it is. Craig and Frank G. General Pith, Uncle Batty, Savant, and Vince. We've got a little bit of homebrew review for you. 
What do you think of our new homebrew review sound effect? It's hard to tell what's going on in it, perhaps. It's it's a beer joke. It's homebrew. You get it? Hunter, the homebrew I have for you today is more just to get your reaction on something. I've got a beautiful little picture here for you. This is a day, this is an episode about uh, images that you have to look at alongside the show, turns oh, out. Oh, that's great podcast Really content. good podcast content that I'm really <laughs> proud of. Uh, it's really doing numbers for me. But this is a, this is a new agent. I guess for the Nazroka, the effects of it are don't seem that related. But more importantly, someone used one of those nasty AI art generators to make Hunter into a Nas sitting on a Roka. It's uh. Hunter's face sitting on a kitty. It's horrifying looking. Uh, it's it, it's really something else. This is Hunter as the Nazroka agent, the big Nas cowboy, and let uh, me—you really so, got me now. So, just first reaction there, Hunter. What do you? How do you feel about your visage? Your the the look here. Yeah, well, um, I I mean, so you're saying so I've been fed to the AI now. Yeah, the AI knows you're in. about they, me. They know you. They've got your. Ugh. They've got your stuff. I can't believe y'all fed me to the AI. How dare you? <laughs> is is this Nazaroka? Because that's a different symbol than is it? Meant uh, yeah, to be I a don't Nasroka know. Thing? I, it, maybe it's part of their homebrew faction. That's like a bunch of random things. But this part, this character certainly is Nazaroka. But yeah, I don't know if this is meant for the faction Nazaroka. The effect certainly does not sound like a Nazaroka effect. Uh, essentially, yeah. yeah. So the effect is this: when you move. One of, this is a when. This isn't even, we don't even exhaust yeah. This is an agent? Here, is I'll, I'll elaborate actually real quickly. I'll, uh, th this is, it's labeled as an agent, but this is actually technically a part of a set of mercenaries. They're, they're, this is a mercenary oh. thing. So this is like an I agent see. you could acquire that is one of your mercenaries. So anybody could have access to this agent. Right. Okay. So when you move one of your ships during a tactical action, you may exhaust this card and roll one die. On a result of one to three, remove that ship from the game board and otherwise apply plus one to that ship's move value during this tactical action. At the start of the status phase, you may exhaust this card to explore one industrial planet you uh, control. Uh, so one time you get to use a grav rift or you can... Uh, explore one industrial planet. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, this this is an effect worthy of me because of those <laughs> two things I've ever talked about on the show. It's that I love grav rifts uh, and that I love exploring industrial planets. So clearly, this was made by uh, a huge hunter fan. Yeah. One of the hunter, somebody in the hunter nation. What I what uh, I find hilarious about this is this is a part of a mercenary set that is based off of the TI junkies. Plus Hunter. <laughs> there Wait, are, what? There are six other uh, of these mercenaries that I've got art for, and it's Henry, and it's Rand, and it's everyone's favorite cast members from TI Junkies, but then also Hunter's there as a Nazroka. So, Hunter, you're the first honorary member of TI Junkies, uh, apparently, over there in the TI oh, Junkies man. fandom. Well, that's a rough day for TI Junkies. <laughs> I'm very sorry to do all the junk heads out there. Um, <laughs> Which is uh, that's my joke name for the mm. for the for the junkies, the uh, junkheads, the junkheads. Um, I think that's a funny joke. <laughs> and when I said it to Rand, uh, Rand was like, "No, it's no, that's wrong. That's not what we call them." <laughs> it didn't even register as a joke to Rand. Rand didn't even Rand did the kind thing and was like, "Yeah, you know, that's not a joke. Let's that's move okay. on. <laughs> Let's move on." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got an agenda face for us. Walter asks, 
Will you consider going back to pre-made non-milty maps in future tournaments? Matt, will you? Will, will you I? consider it? I absolutely consider it. Here's the thing. I was not 100% prepared to do milty slices for this year's tournament. I think we, we had a conversation about it and came to that decision. But there was a point at which I did not want to do milty slices. It's tough, though, kids, okay? Because milty draft is really good, okay? And that's what we keep having trouble getting away from is, like, how good milty yeah. drafts are and how we still get to do our thing of putting slices together and coming up with dumb names for them, right? right. So that hasn't gone away. So I don't know. It's tough to say. What, what I'm almost more interested in personally is maybe just further modifying milty draft a bit so still having that idea of like the slice is disconnected from the its placement on the map but like modifying the draft a little bit to something new that's interesting to me but also i do miss a map where the relationship between two slices is known like it, it, it this is a good episode to tie this into because we just talked about magi's madness where this is like definitely the case i do miss the days where like areas of the map had sort of known variables to them a reliable relationship between them the difficulty right. and the reason i was happy to get away from that though was that's incredibly hard to figure out how it's going to shake out basically so on the front end trying to design a thing there would be slices where hunter and i were like well that slice isn't very good and then it would do really really well and it was purely because of its context to the neighboring slices more than yeah. the slice itself right yeah that's something I've I've thought about this. Uh, let me throw this at it, at you live on the pod, uh, live on the stream. Uh, let me know, chat, if you like this idea. Uh, what if we took the equidistance out? Yes, oh, and just please. put them on the map already. So that, they're already sitting there. Yeah, that was like the first thing we thought. Like in POK development before multi draft was a thing. That's kind of the direction I was thinking of going was like the equidistance sit there and then we make I hadn't come up with like the proper balance of how multi draft works, but I wanted to do the like the the slices get inserted into the map into a, a, a different order. Um, right. But yeah, I wanted it to be absent of an equidistant because I do think the, the fatal flaw. It's not fatal at all. It's it's fine. It's great. But the fatal, no, fatal. The, 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 in it's quote, fatal multi draft yeah, is that there's this equidistant included in your slice that isn't actually your thing to get to consider. That's like this right. whole messy business. We have one slice in particular in the prelims where like that's a big concern for me of like how it's gonna go because the prelim slices are no like notably poor they're very bad they're all they're very, bad. they're very bad slices i regret they it already <laughs> i should have i should have had more pushback on it because it's it's, it's we're just guaranteeing long games basically <laughs> i don't know why we would do that so there's four planets per slice now for almost every slice there's four planets in the actual slice itself but there is one slice where we put a planet in the equidistant which means the slice itself only has three planets and right. that equidistant is semlor, which means it's like a juicy part of your economy is yeah. not necessarily yours to claim at all. And I really do not know how well that slice is going to do. It could be a disaster, and it wouldn't surprise me. Of course, all the all the the space kitties know what we talking about. We talking about Big Lore Not Four. <laughs> uh, the thing about Big Lore Not Four is I ain't seen Big Lore Not Four get Big Lore even once yet. Really? So that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> I've definitely so, seen it get big lore, but uh, I ain't seen it get big lore is what I'm telling rough, you, Matt. Rough, and that's okay. not great. Yeah. So. 
I will say, talking about the relationship between slices, I think something Hunter and I have gotten better at. I think the first time we made like our first set of qualifier slices, we didn't put quite the same level of consideration into this idea as we do now, which is Hunter and I now sit down with the slices and we do look at the wormholes really closely though. Like we pay attention to these three multi slices all have alphas. So they do have an intrinsic relationship with each other. Like that's they, like maybe not every single one of them is in the game all the time, but we do sort of at times look at what do these alphas give access for each other. Matt, don't try and throw me into the map discussions as if you seek my input at all. Like, don't try and pretend here that you are like, yep, me and Matt, we have a, or me and Hunter, we have a meeting. I just did it to myself. Uh, me and Hunter, we have a meeting of the minds and there's a great council meeting. No, what happens is you make them in secret by candlelight, by moonlight, you make them. You have, you, you have your shirt off and there's blood on you for yeah. some reason. Yeah. And then you craft them all. And then you bring them to me, and I either complain or I just say, yeah, whatever, that's fine. That's our process. And then we make EJ introduce them. <laughs> yeah, this time we made EJ introduce uh, because his energy, I mean, you felt it. Yeah. You were there. The reality I, is Hunter and I did not have voices. We had, we had completely been talking nonstop for three days straight yeah. all day. The two of us could not speak I, I was unable to make that video so ej ej had to cover for us it was a bummer because you know how we were talking up top that there was like a hoot nanny and stuff uh -huh. um what that meant was there were a lot of really kind people that like the show right. that were coming up to uh me and matt uh and 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 talking to us and then we were like uh, I, I don't know if i can even speak <laughs> i don't even know if i can speak right now it's and, really and it great sucked. to meet you it's <laughs> It's so, uh, so good to meet you. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. It's rough. It was not, it was and, not and an easy also, week. Also, the post-COVID world, and I had to constantly reassure people, this isn't a disease. I've just been talking for 48 hours. I just get weak. It's, no one will let us stop talking. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. We, we, we had to shut up a little bit, which I'm sure, you know, that's, there are definitely people out there being like, I wish these guys would shut up. Yeah, yeah. And hey, I'm with you. Yeah. Hey, uh, Galactic Counselors, it's about time we got a new episode poll for yeah, you. Yeah, new poll time. So uh, this one is a collection of, I don't know, their ideas, I suppose. Uh, actually, the theme to this one is these are all things people asked us to do. These are, these are Galactic Council. You put forward these ideas. And uh, I kept them. I kept them around until today where we can now vote on them. Okay. So this is this is as Galactic Council as the Galactic Council I thought, gets. I thought Necrotech Combinations was just something you said in an episode. Oh, apparently I said it. And then someone called me out recently for it saying, well, you should do that as an episode. And I said, oh, ding, dang it. Okay. We'll make it a Galactic Council poll. See if you hold me to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have you choose whether Matt has to do the thing that he said <laughs> that we were going to do. Right. Uh, here's your poll options. The first episode topic is the classified document leaks tier list. What are the best secret objectives to have elected as a secret objective that will now become a public objective? Yeah. So that's like a, that would be like us doing like a parody of the show, you know, would be a topic like that. Where we're sort of making fun of the idea of us getting that focused on one particular aspect of the game. 
Um, but hey, I'm happy. I'm happy. Listen, I don't know. <laughs> he he looks point, thrilled. We, Everyone, we he do, looks so happy. We do self-parody on this show so much that I don't even know when we're serious anymore. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, like many episodes, I'll just be the whole time. I'll be like, I think we're just joking. I don't know. <laughs> we might be. We might be joking today. The next one is improvise the POK factions pre-POK. So this is to say, how can we make workable factions out of the seven POK factions if we took away exploration, leaders, yeah. uh, and mechs, right? Those are the three main additions of POK. And I, I guess like frontier, fr- like yeah, that's part of exploration. Yeah. Cut out yeah. all the POK mechanics yeah. and say, but these factions existed. How do we design them for base game and still function? And we're gonna do lore too. I want to do. <laughs> I want to do pre POK lore for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be like a flashback version of each of these yeah. uh, factions, which will be hilarious because Cabal won't have dimensional tear. <laughs> so I don't know why they won't be able. We will cook up a reason to play as Cabal, but it won't be because they can do any of the stuff that they do now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mahawk will be a to. hard lore thing because the whole basis of Prophecy of Kings is the Mahawk here. But now we have to make a justification. I got an idea. Why Mahawk are playable. I look forward to hearing it if people choose that episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next up is translating a root faction into a Twilight Imperium faction. This yeah. one's fun to me because a key part to me of a root faction is that a root faction, there's a certain aspect of it where it's playing its own game, right? It's trying to score points, but the thing it's doing within that is, like, supposed to be vastly different. Like, you know how the Titans sleeper tokens has this whole sort of, like, annoying timing thing, and you have to, like, learn that? Imagine if that was critical to your success as the faction. That's what I think a root faction in TI should have to have is like listen you have this whole mechanic that only you do but you must do it to succeed yeah uh I, it'll be fun to kind of debate like which because we don't ha- it doesn't say translating a specific root right. faction so we'll have to argue out which one actually should be translated first right and then you know go from there yeah yeah <laughs> um i'm it's gonna be hard for me not to say the moles to be honest but yeah no that's a that's a good one well, the problem is the moles sort of just have a creus quality to them where they're like their oh, home yeah, systems they are off like the, the map mm. <laughs> i'm interested mm. in the eerie because it's like their program but like you have to you get locked into a set turn order <laughs> And and everything, I think that's pretty interesting to try to translate into. Yeah, CI. Woodland Alliance though too. Yeah, like, where you're like not on like, the map. <laughs> yeah, you're not like not on the map, and you can like start a revolt anywhere. Like I don't know, man. We that might do fun. we might do a few root factions if this one gets chosen. Okay, our last one, Hunter reference earlier. It's that I promised you at some point somewhere that we would do a bunch of necro tech combinations. Now that POK is out, we would look at all of the possible techs necro could have access to and come up with sort of like the best little synergistic combinations you can have as a necro player. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know about that one. <laughs> like, why would you even need that? Like, you the, the beauty of the the options yeah. is that you only have to look at the other five right. players in the game. Yep. Or, pardon me, the other six players in the game if you're playing this week. <laughs> but I, I just think that 
why why do you need to consider all of them like yeah. it, it should just be look at what's available yeah. make your decision in the moment right okay just do just why are people why does everyone have to be theory crafted and why can't just you just play the now. game be here right now be in the moment <laughs> Stop playing impossible games in what your mind. The, what are the best objectives to try to score? The five that are <laughs> in the game. The in front of you. <laughs> you don't get to score any of them. You don't get to just score whichever one you want. If just I could draw any action card, which action card would I want to draw? <laughs> I'm telling you, Necrotech combinations and classified documents tier list. These are self parody. I'm not convinced of the people putting forward these ideas mean them earnestly. Yeah. They're trying to trick us into having some sort of Space Cats Peace Turtles parody conversation. Yeah. They're giving us permission to have a half hour episode is what it actually is, Hunter. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, That's it's what permission we'll to do, do a half hour conversation about TI and then move on to other stuff. Yeah, go stuff. ahead and pick Necrotech combinations. We're going to be like, you should get Floating Factory 2. And then just move on. You should get Floating Factory 2. You should trick Sari into getting Floating Factory 2. Latani 2 and Floating Factory 2. You end should of trick Sari and Arborek into getting yeah. uh, Latani 2 and yeah. Floating Factory 2. Someone's going to ask it, us. Someone's going to ask us what is. Do an episode about what the best possible Franken combination could be of a faction. That's going to be a that, thing. Yo, y'all, we don't play Franken. You, there, somebody <laughs> has answers to these questions. Like, you know what I mean? We have a big, full community here. Y'all yeah. gotta stop just being like, oh, well, Hunter and Matt, they're the ones we talk to. Yep. Dude, yo, Mantis has the answer right, to right. your Franken draft question. P more people need to take Brassbird and Frox's lead and start your own show about that start thing you're your good own. at. Yes, you're good yes. at that and do your own show, okay? Yes. Jahan, do your little theory craft show. Just have we a show where eight. it's Jahan's notebook of things that might happen. The Space Cats <laughs> Network, where where every day of the week there is a Twilight Imperium themed podcast that drops. <laughs> So every day you can just think about this game and never play it. Yep. Literally, people will be like, I used to play the game a lot, but with all these Twilight Imperium podcasts coming out, I can't find time to get a game in. There are 1,000 hours worth of TI content per week for me to digest. Oh, my friends are always begging me to play TI on the weekends, but I'm getting way behind on my yep. Brassbird podcast. <laughs> Speaking of, Hunter, you got two streams this weekend. Uh, yeah. What's going on? So my prelims game, my official prelims game, mm -hmm. uh, is on this Saturday, April 8th, starting at 1200 UTC, which was what, like 8 a.m. for you, Eastern, yeah. something yep. like that. Yep. Um, it'll be streamed uh, by Matt Martins. Yep. Uh, come, you know, boo yes. and 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 root against me. I right. promise uh, that I, if I win, it will be just to spite everyone. <laughs> um, and if I lose, it will be just. Just so you can bask in the glory of my losingness. Yeah, all right. You did it. I do it regardless of what I do, I either do it as a personal favor or insult to you all. Yep. Um, so you know, just go ahead, or maybe it's just a game of TI that right. I'm playing. Yep. yep. Um, it could just be that. Uh I hope uh you know what sucks about winning is then I'd have to play in the semis. Yeah, I don't um, want so that. We'll I'm really that out. more than anybody else. I'm rooting against you, Hunter, because I don't want you in the semis. Because that's a game in the semis. I have to do 
by myself without you or whatever. And, and uh, Matt, I can't imagine a day that will be worse for you than a day where you watch me win a game of Twilight Imperium. Yeah. I just can't imagine. What's worse is worse. if you win the semis and then you're in the finals. That's the nightmare scenario. Well, hey, if if I'm in the finals, then I don't have to read mean YouTube comments <laughs> about how bad my commentary was for two years. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. That would be like a good thing. Or although even that, there probably would be like, uh, I don't know who was playing as whatever faction yeah, yeah. I was playing as, but that guy's really annoying and yeah. he's not funny and he's an idiot loser. He seemed like he was trying to have a good time and yeah. I'm not here for that. So many of the mean comments on on my commentary is about me trying. What a, what a weird insult. Oh, God, this guy was trying. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, I hate it when people try. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I, my plan was to not commentate this year. My yeah. plan was to just be, not be available for the uh -huh. finals. That's right. my plan. Okay. Just have you do it. We'll see you know? how it shakes out. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, maybe, I'm or Or maybe I'm just cameraman this year. Mm -hmm. uh, or, I don't know, maybe I just watch. Yeah. That'd be cool to just watch. You just run just the Twitch chat. everybody else. Yeah, I'll just run Twitch chat. That's a job. People probably need me to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, and then my, my other game uh, is the next day, uh, Sunday, uh, April 9th. Uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern, mm -hmm. uh, I will be playing another game as the Nomad. We have a Nomad guide coming up. Yep. Uh, and I, for some reason, am having a little trouble cracking yeah. the Nomad. I've actually, it hasn't been very difficult, it, the the factions that we've done yeah. for this season. Right. Uh, most of them, I felt like I picked it up pretty fast. Mahat, I was really surprised at how quickly yeah. I, I felt like really confident on Mahat. Yeah. Um, but Nomad, I don't know. Eh, it's not really clicking in my head. They're so tricky. we'll see. Yeah, they've never, Nomad has actually never made sense to me, even though I watch them win and know they win. This is like the first year, especially Nomad was doing like really well. But I've always had sort of a, an issue of just like, they've got so many little things and I don't know how they all add up to like the the winning formula or whatever. That's that's what I've been trying to figure. I've been watching, I've been watching a lot of Nomad players and it's it's hard to figure out how all the parts create a whole. Yeah, it's weird how much money they can make. I will give them that. Yeah, um, and right. then they they have some other abilities. Yeah. <laughs> that's like kind of how I feel. About <laughs> uh, hey, you can rate us on your podcast app of choice. Give us a five star rating. Say, I love Magi's Madness. This is another week where you just review Magi, turns out. We talk about that guy a lot. That's weird. Anyways, send us this Imperium life stories to spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. I would love to do a this Imperium life thing like right at the end of this season or something, which is like post Gen Con. Maybe we prep a this Imperium life. So send me stories from your games. Guess what, everyone? It's also time for Matt to try to fulfill a promise he's going to struggle to do. That's right. Yeah. The tournament report is back and I am. Let's cut over to field reporter <laughs> Matt with the prelims report, a segment that will exist in this episode, and then we'll see if I stay caught up to it. Take it away, Matt! Well, also, I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Matt and Hunter. Hello, and welcome to your tournament report. This is the Space Cats Peace Turtles Prelims 2023 edition, and I want to bring you a few reports from last weekend's games. First one, written by streamer Rand from Prelim Game Number 1. Prelim Number 1 established a methodical pace right out of the gate with negotiations and whispers throughout the nearly one 
our draft. In a twist, Arborek is chosen over the Muat for the last faction picked. In round one, we saw an early Gamma Wormhole for Sardak, but more dramatically, a Winu dash for Custodians via the Gravity Rift. At the end of round one, everyone scores lead from the front and the start of a spend objective-oriented game, but Winu manages to score four points in the first round, putting an early target on their back. Round two, Nalu ends up seizing a blue skip planet from Arborek. After bulking up next to Mechatol, Arborek takes Winu's home system with the help of Greyfire Mutagen and Teklar Legion. Round three, Winu manages to negotiate a deal to take their home system back, they're still in the game. A Magi's Gambit brews between Arborek and Winu. Round four, Winu doesn't public disgrace Arborek's Imperial pick, but if Arborek doesn't win, they will win make Winu via Become a Martyr for their first turn in round five. The rest of the table comes together to slay both of their chances for the win. Nearby, Arborek carriers are destroyed, and this and Sardak takes Winu's home system, making the premeditated invasion via Sardak Alliance impossible for Arborek. The game speeds up to an incredible pace as the players race against the timer in order to ensure a round five rather than a tiebreaker. They hit the agenda phase with 15 minutes on the clock, but manage to squeeze through and with minutes to spare. Round five, the final strategy phase, comes with deliberation, similar to that of the draft we saw earlier in the day. Only for every player before the Nalu, who still controls Mechatol, to forego taking Imperial, leading to a turn one, round five win for the Nalu. Congratulations to Karunsun as Nalu in Ginger as she goes. Prelim game number two's write-up is from tournament streamer Jasper. Prelim two had big names and big factions, so everyone who had set their alarm clock was awaiting some big capital A action. First round saw Cabal rebuke Sar's attempts to get Crucible to punish Winu, while the same Winu did get past Crucible to doot doot straight onto Mechatol. It wouldn't be until two hours and twenty minutes into the game that Winu took their first non-Mechatol planets. Round two saw Sar take Mechatol from Winu briefly reducing them back to just the home planet before Nalu zayud a big build at their forward dock before sending the matriarch into Mechatol backed by the Winu commander. The loss of plastic was immense on both sides. Incentive program had revealed an early stage two which Cabal already managed to score in round two. Round three had Winu make a claim to Diplo U all day aimed at Sar, which would be correct. The flagship and remaining dock of the clan never moved after round two. Nalu picked up a shard of the throne, so everyone was on edge going into round four. Titans seemed to be able to win on the one if they could wrangle away the shard from Nalu, but they never got to land their forces, losing the battle in space. Both Nalu and Cabal needed to draw a new secret they could actually score, but Nalu never did, while Cabal managed to just about sneak a prove endurance into the points column, which completed Deshuga's fourth tournament win. Prelim Game 3 is brought to us by Big Al Cappuccino. Prelim Game 3 found 8 resources and 3 tech specs as a reasonable start for a table with Extra taking Diplo. Hakan and Asaro printed money given a poor map. Hakan rushed for Mechatol despite being on politics. Extra and Argent support swapped. Muat picked up Shard off of Frag's purchase with Fires going to Extra. 
everyone scored eight resources at status. Round two saw two attachments to much groaning and the realization that with only control publics available, the game was only going to get harder. Round three added six non-home, and with only Argent ahead of the pack, the marathon through thick stew continued. Round four brought some welcome relief with three non-home structures, but nobody having followed construction so far made this still a challenge. Isarl trailed the pack with Muat ahead by a nose with their soft bonus point in shard. Nobody could finish round four on paper with much tension around unscored controls. Round five sees seven structures, which is nay on unscorable for all, leaving the table seriously considering a round five tiebreaker. Isaro, with political stability, retains Imperial from round four, and the table must consider the goblin menace. Public execution goes through on Isaro, and they lose all action cards, but thanks to a sneaky politics writer, they get speaker and draw four discard one. Round five plays out with people taking their shots and what looks like an Argent scoring the two-pointer going to 9 or 10, Hakan getting to 9, Asarl getting to 9, and Muat just falling short after they take Mahawk's home, and Mahat takes Muat's home, gaining Shard, but putting both out of contention for Publix's at status. Once everyone passes, the meta, who has played Asarl from behind since round 2, goes to work sniping both Hakan and Argent's structures to be the last one standing at 9 after Agenda, meaning they win the tiebreaker without competition. Congrats to the meta for their Asaro win. And the final game of last weekend is brought to us by Carnal. Prelim Game 4 got off to an immediate raucous start. Round 1 when Ghost took leadership and used their first action to go into Hakan's slice and steal away Hope's end. This became the focal point of the game for the first several rounds as Ghost and Hakan maneuvered around each other trying to make peace and avoid a forever war. A stalling of the main strat cards left both Ghost and Hakan only taking one planet outside of their home systems round 1. The next couple of rounds saw little aggression, as the objectives remained mostly void of controls. This allowed the other four factions to sit and build in their slices. No one seemed to prioritize or be able to take advantage of a mostly completely empty ghost slice for all of round one and round two. End of round two agenda phase brought some spice when Seed of an Empire popped off, some support shenanigans ensued, and brought everyone to the same point total to allow for everyone to score, giving everyone the valuable guac and solidified support swaps. Round four saw multiple people with opportunities for the win. Isarl picked up Imperial to be able to double score and win on the eight. Ghost had leadership and picked up Obsidian along the way to give them a path. A lucky attachment and relic draw for Crown and Tomb put Hakan in a position to also score at the end of round four. The back and forth began on who to slay. Soul opted to use their hero to take the ghost home system, essentially eliminating any chances for them, while Hakan had 10 points locked up they wouldn't get to their 10th point until the end of the status phase, meaning it was down to whether Asarl could hang on to the empty spaces for a set of turns to get back to playing Imperial. In an unbelievable set of rolling, Asaro was able to hang on to a system that had a 6% battle calculator percentage to win and enable them to score the needed control point to win on the 8. Congratulations to Nephew of Dorne as Asaro in its pronounced celery for the win. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.